Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Talk Off. It is Tuesday, September 19th. And Daz, we're back. Me and you, we're back. We're here. It feels not great because Jake is not here again. We miss him when he's not here. We love him. But me and you, we're back. We're back. Going to talk some baseball today. We missed a lot. We missed a lot of baseball. Getting to that end of the season. I am very excited for the last month of the season. Not even month. The last two, three weeks of the season. A lot of races. Getting very close. A lot of teams in the AL West, like we've been talking about, still in it. That NL Central and the NL Wild Card has gotten interesting after the Arizona Diamondbacks sweeping the Chicago Cubs. Cubs have been playing bad baseball over the last two weeks. We'll talk about that. We'll look at you know how everything's going to play out as af- after. Are you okay, dude? The, the, the loudest thunder just outside right now. It is pouring rain at at where I'm at right now. It's crazy that we actually live 15 minutes apart, and it it it's clear skies at my house. I think you might get it soon. You might get you might. This might be coming to you. I I. Probably, and I kind of hope so. There's something about sleeping when it's super, super rainy that just feels right. Yeah, it's really comforting. It, I don't know why. There's something just about the the droplets hitting your roof. You hear it outside. Maybe a little crackle of thunder, a, a whisper of lightning, and you got yourself a no, good night's like, sleep right there. For like a split second there, it sounded like the world was ending. The... The uh, the lightning and the thunder seems to be right over me right now. Then you're probably in store for a great show. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't should, hold it against you. Outside. To... Oh, that would be cool. You'd probably hear a lot of shit though. <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be. Maybe we'll go mobile at some point in the podcast. Um, a mobile podcast. We could do it. Podcast from a car. What if we road trip and then on the road trip we podcast? Are you having mic issues? Are you okay? Well, I'm in the process of trying to unscrew my mic to see if I can walk it outside, but I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I, thought, I, I don't think that's going to work. work. It, it's, it's not working. And now uh, I've. Oh, hold on, I have to unscrew it a little bit. I hope everybody enjoys this great audio of Dodge. Can you, just can you, can, touching do you hear mic. my mic moving around? Yes. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> not like, not like, holy shit, my ears, but the, they're going to hear it. All right, well, I mean, it's all I hope good. somebody's it's all listening good. to this. Well, no, I hope someone's listening to it while driving and thinks that something is wrong with their car. That happens to me way too fucking often. And then I get to tell them the news. Nothing's wrong with your car. You don't have to sweat it anymore. For that like 45 second little cut of your day, you thought something was wrong with your car because I was trying to unscrew my microphone. Yep. I have some good news. Nothing wrong. My brain. It's, my brain's probably okay. wrong, but well, your car is fine. Or your headphones. Well, or whatever you might be listening to this on speaker. Yeah. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. If you're listening to this, something is wrong. Be scared. 
Um, so last time we uh when we we had that uh that random thought podcast where we were gonna start talking about baseball. Ah, uh, the it's crazy podcast. Yes. I'll never forget. Uh did Otani pack his locker before or after that podcast? I think it was after. I believe that was definitely yeah, that was after. We have a okay. there's a there's been a lot of news in the last week, honestly. There has. There has been a good a good amount of news. But I think the Otani thing is probably the biggest, right? Uh that in Heim Bloom. Right. And we'll start with Otani. And David Stearns, you're right. No, we that was last week. Are you sure? I think so. I feel like I remember talking oh, about that. Do we? Maybe we talked about how they should did do we? it. I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. Let's start let's let's start with Otani. Best player in baseball, let's start with him. Okay. Otani, done for the season for the Los Angeles Angels, cleans out his locker. The news is is that he will be getting surgery on the elbow immediately as fast as possible. He might have honestly already got it done in the last couple of days. Chris, I feel like this whole year has been Otani talk because he's going to be a free agent, because we don't know where he's going, and the injury is just adding on to that and adding on to it. We really don't know what's going to happen, where he's going to go, what kind of surge. We don't know anything, really. But what we do know is that he cleaned out his locker in Anaheim. He is done for the year, and he will be getting surgery immediately. Thoughts? Uh, immediate thoughts are kind of strange. He uprooted and left. Probably, I you know I understand some guys want to leave and go get surgery or whatnot, but it's not like uh he wasn't already delaying the Tommy John surgery to hit. I guess the oblique surgery and that's pushing him uh to to really hang up the cleats for the rest of the year and. Uh, you know, not be around the team. But for right now, Otani's basically not an angel right now. Pretty much. Have we seen the last of Shohei Otani in an angel uniform? I I wish I could answer the question. I really, like, I wish I knew the answer because I really don't. I really, I still in my heart of hearts think that he is going to be an angel next year and he will for the next 10 years. I don't know why, but it's just this gut feeling that I have. I, I don't know. I have this gut feeling. It's the safe. It's the safe pick, but I think he. But could it would be, be gone. It would be way, way more fun if he was gone. Unless he goes to the Dodgers, then it's not. Of course, fun at all. it would be more fun. Even the Dodgers would be fun because at least we see him in a winning team. Yeah, I know, and I mean, if he goes to the Dodgers, immediate World Series. I mean, that's World Series or bust, like you've never seen before. Well, he's not going to pitch next year, and I don't know how bad this oblique injury is. That's a, that's a that's a very solid point right there. That, that, that's what I'm saying, though. Like that's the problem right now is we we don't have enough information really to really know like what he's going to do, how serious this. My guess, if I if I was a betting man, which I am, but I can't bet on this, I would bet that the oblique is more of a a cover up to not playing the rest of the season and getting the surgery early. I'm sure he does. I'm not. I'm sure the oblique it might be bothering him a little bit, but don't get it twisted. If they were in a playoff run, like he's gonna be, he would be on the field. 
I think since since they're out of it, since he, you know nobody knows what he's going to do next year, since he needs this surgery for the elbow, I think that's why he was just like, I'm going to pack it up, I'm done. Like because there's there's no reason for him to play out the rest of the season. Maybe hurt the elbow even more. Maybe hurt the oblique even more. That, that that's what you don't want if you're Shohei Otani. Shutting him down for the rest of the season, he's still going to win American League MVP, and he's still going to be a free agent after this year and make a really tough decision. And it's it's crazy to me that there's people out there that really think that he's going to be a New York Yankee, which I don't get. Like I don't know why. Yeah, I don't think that's. I, I don't think I that's feel possible. I don't even I think feel it's like, on their radar. I know. Like I feel like I just might be on that side of Twitter. Maybe I'm on just like the Yankee fan side of Twitter, and oh, there's so many people out there just like Yankees do it. Like it's not happening. Sorry. I, I really think he's going to be an angel, but I don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah, I, I like... don't think this is this is a possibility. To be honest with you, I agree. I don't think it's. But it's, I could be wrong. I could be it's wrong. Possible I mean, but like I, I just don't think the Yankees are going to be in on this specific player. Me neither. I, I just, don't even think like they're. It it, it 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 seems too. I don't know. It just seems like the Yankees like are never in on the biggest free agent. No, I mean they're at least they're always... in recent memory. Like Bryce Harper, like they could have went after Bryce Harper and they didn't. Who'd they sign instead of Bryce Harper? Who was it? Um Fuck. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember, but that but the, I remember it's like either sign Bryce Harper or do this and they did that. But you're right. The you Yankees like, like, yeah, maybe some something like that, something stupid. But the Yankees, as much as they're the New York Yankees, and as much as they have all the money in the world, and as much as they get the best players, you're right. They don't have a tendency to go after the the really really big guys. They have a, a you know, the Brian Cashman has shown that. He can go get that big fish, and he will go get that big fish, but that might not always be the big shark in the ocean. He's going to get, you know, just like a, a big bluefin tuna or something. You know what I mean? Not the yeah, biggest. Uh, I th- but like, also, I think it was still Aaron big. Hicks. Yes, it might have been Aaron Hicks. But Mike Talkman was signed the same offseason as Harper. Yeah, great job. Great job, Yankees. We love Mike Talkman. But yeah, Otani, we we just we just don't know. We, we'll find out what happens. We'll find out how the surgery goes, and then we'll see. He'll make his decision this offseason. I do think it's going to be a long offseason for Otani. This is definitely not a deal that we see get done in December. This is this is something that's probably going to stretch out for as long as physically possible, and then he'll make his decision. But until then, we we really just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if he's going to pitch, hit, what, whatever. We don't know. But we will know in a while. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a quick process either. I think this is going to be a very dragged out um, free agent <laughs> process. Uh, and I, I really think I, – I, I don't know if it necessarily works in Otani's favor to sign early. I mean I think the best option for him is to get those surgeries, start rehabbing, maybe – I mean, like, no one really throws for teams unless 
you know, you need to, uh, unless you really need to be seen in front of scouts, but like maybe Otani can have like a little bit of a, uh, a bullpen session or something for scouts to see that the arm is not affected, but I don't think he, he would start even be able to start throwing in time for like a December or a January. Yeah. I, I think, I think because, because of the injury and because he's been shut down for the season, I, I, I think this is going to get really, really stretched out. He's going to wait to the last possible minute to make, to make the decision. And then we'll see what happens. But, like we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, the elbow injury changes so much and it makes an already confusing off season for Otani, even that more confusing. Yeah, I agree. This could be a very confusing season for off for, for Otani. And I think the, the, the craziest part about being like someone like Otani, and I've always thought about this about major league for agency. It's kind of crazy that those guys literally have the world in their hands. They could go wherever they want. They could be on the East coast. They, they can be on the West coast. They can go to Canada if they want. Like you could literally, he could decide where he wants to live next year. And a lot of professional baseball players can't say the same. No, hundred percent. I mean, there's so many guys out there that are just journeymen that, you know, they're moving to a different city every year, if not twice a year. And like, uh, well, it's, Travis Jankowski, who's been on like 14 different teams. Do you think he wanted to be on 14 different teams? No. He probably wants to be in Shohei Otani's shoes where he gets to choose where he goes, but that's just not the story for everyone. Otani is definitely in the uh, top or top echelon of people in the Major League Baseball as being you know, the best player. And that gives him the opportunity to say, no, I, I want to go here and he really doesn't have to give a reason. It's it's whatever he re- his reason he wants. the The reason he went to the Angels was, you know, Billy Epler did a great job recruiting him, and it's close to Japan and all this stuff. And he made the decision to go to the the Ange- Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He chose that, and this is another choice that he's going to have this offseason to go where the money's good, where he can win, and where he wants to be. He gets to choose. No matter what, if he thinks that there's a better situation in L.A. than there is in New York, then he's going to go to L.A. If he wants to live in Texas because he doesn't want to pay as many taxes, then he might go to Texas. We really just don't know. But like you said, it's completely his decision. It's not a decision that a lot of people get to make, but the perks of being the best player in baseball is you get to decide where you go. That's that's all that it's about. It's uh, these these major league baseball free agent, these massive massive players that hit the open market. It's pretty unique to the sport, I would say, as opposed to maybe basketball has the only other comparable hype when it comes to signing a big player. Yeah, I feel like a uh, uh, off season in basketball and baseball is a lot of times very similar. The the best players, you know, they decide where they go. There's guys that get shuffled around and you don't really see like huge off seasons. I feel like in the NFL like that, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. No one and, really switches teams that often in the NFL. No. And it's especially good play, like good players usually stick on the same team for a while. The best players usually are stay on their team. They don't leave that often. And if they do, it's after a lot of years Baseball is not like that because of the contract structure, because of 
you know, uh, the minor leagues, you have to come up, you have to be called up. It's, it's just a whole big thing. And that's why people hate the MLB. And that's why some people like the MLB. It's, it's just, it's very different from everything else. And, you know, we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna find out where Otani decides to go. And, uh, we're gonna have to live with his decision. 100%. Moving on to the, um, front office talk. Daz, we will start with your Mets. Hiring David Stearns is a very good ad for the Mets. I, it's the and, it's the dream it's the dream signing for Cohen. It, this is this is who Cohen had in mind. He always said that he was never going to rush the process of finding a president of baseball ops. Um and he didn't. He didn't rush the process. The you know the Mets have been in contact with Stearns the past few years, and this is this is uh this is a big day for the Mets. I, or this was a big day for the Mets when we had signed him last week. This is uh this is probably in my opinion the biggest move that a franchise has made to like really show that they are committed to one direction and they're moving in that direction now with the David Stearns era. I think this might be the biggest change of power within baseball since maybe Theo Epstein joined the Cubs. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely big. And I think people who try to downplay David Stearns are, are doing him such a big disservice. And I think a lot of people who are downplaying the combination of David Stearns and Billy Epler for the front office of the, uh, of the New York Mets Listen, it's not fully Billy Epler's job. It's not fully David Stern's job. They're going to work together on this. And I think that's the perfect combination for the Mets because you have the mind of Billy Epler. You know, obviously, we've talked about the relationship he has in Japan and the relationship he has with Shohei Otani and all these good things that Billy Epler has so many connections. He's very good at scouting. He can spend money. He knows how to be a general manager. And having David Stearns right beside him, just as that little angel on his shoulder or devil on his shoulder saying, you know, we got to do this. We should do that. Like, I think David Stearns being more of the brains and more of the analytical, he's the new school type of guy to bring into that Mets system, I think he's the guy that Steve Cohen was really looking for to not only rebuild this farm system for the future, but also rebuild this team and figure out how this team can get into the win column and get into the playoffs within the next two to three years. Yeah, this this is, uh, th- like I said, this was Cohen's dream hire. And the thing that makes it so much sweeter is now that the two two top guys in the organization, obviously the owner himself, Steve Cohen and the president of baseball ops, David Stearns, both lifelong Mets fans. So uh, it's safe to say that I think the Mets are one of the fan bases that would really appreciate that uh, a fan is not only controlling the team's every decision uh, on a baseball level, but also, you know, from ownership as well. I think this has been the perfect storm the last, three years this has been building up to this moment where this was this was cohen's target this is who we wanted he got who he wanted and now it's now it's like you said it's time to 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 get together with billy collaborate and put a winning product on the baseball field and i really think i i really think that the mets are going to be 
a lot more aggressive in in this offseason into 24 than they originally led to led the public to believe in July because I I think there's going to be a whole way a new wave of thinking with this David Stearns um, era beginning and honestly just 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 around a month and a half so I think I think I think we're going to be competitive in 24. I really do. Like even in the past few weeks, like some of the young guys have really started to come out of their out of their shell. Mauricio is hitting. Beatty is starting to get back on track a little bit, even though he he just got hurt. Uh, Vientos is doing the same too. So I'm I'm really happy with the the young core getting some major league reps right now, and excited to see what David Stearns adds to this team for the next season. Yeah, and I figure if you're a Met fan, you you really have no reason not to be happy because, again, like I said, this is just the perfect combination with Billy Epler and David Stearns. Uh, Steve Cohen was very clear about what what he wanted, and it wasn't even that he wanted a guy like David Stearns and he wanted a analytically driven. He wanted David Stearns. It was David Stearns or nothing. And like I said, just like the combination of having Epler there and having Stearns, I think. I kind of agree with you. I think the Mets are probably going to be a little bit more aggressive than people think. But in the back of their mind, knowing that they can't diminish that farm system because that is the direction they need to go is rebuilding that farm system while also keeping a competitive team on the field. That's not what they had been doing in years past with the terrible farm system that they had. That's why Billy Epler traded Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and Mark Canna and Tommy Pham build that farm system. David Stearns is only going to help with that. He definitely won't hurt. I, I'm with you. I think this is just the absolute perfect move for the Mets. I think they're going to next now next year. Do I, do I expect the Mets in the playoffs next year? No, I don't expect it. Would I be shocked? No. Would I be shocked if they made great moves this offseason? No. Would I be shocked if they put forth a shit ton of money this offseason? No, because Steve Cohen has showed me that I shouldn't try to predict anything that I think he's going to do. He's going to do what he thinks is best for the team. If that's spend a lot of money this offseason, that's what it is. If it's take a year off, that's what it is. I think the Mets are in the best possible hands for them to succeed with Stearns, with Epler, and with Cohen. Within the next three to five years, this team is going to go deep in the playoffs and be a very successful MLB franchise and hopefully wash away some of that old Mets stink that everybody has on the Mets and every like the classic saying the Mets will met the Jets will jet you know get rid of that stereotype and this is the three man the three-headed monster that they need to get this organization to where it needs to go yeah, did you hear how much he's making to reportedly? I didn't. It's like ten million a year. I mean, you do what you got to do to get the guy. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It is, but it's important. Cohen's got the deep pockets. No, I'm saying it's just it's good for him. Yeah. Go to get to work. <laughs> Better earn that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking earn every that's the that's the uh that's the the funny thing about new york and that's like it's so unique is i was at the met game the other night and um there was a a buzz in the ballpark about david stearns because we had just gotten him the, the day or two before 
And there was definitely a buzz in the ballpark about him coming even like to the point where even a beer vendor had mentioned it to me. Um, and I just always think to myself, it, it'll be like, he will either be like hero or zero in, in New York. Like there's, there is no way that, that he can just be, be known as like, Oh, you know, he did some good, you know, it didn't really win anything. Like, no, if he doesn't win anything, he is going to be hated. Yep. It's just, it's just that that's just how it goes. That's how it is in, in these big markets, New York, Boston, Chicago, LA. If you don't produce, get the fuck out and the fans will let you hear it and they will tell you to get the fuck out because so we've, yeah, go no, ahead, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, continue, continue. No, I was just saying because like these, the, the, like MLB fans are some of like, you talk about NFL fans and how passionate they are with the tailgates and the going crazy during the game. But MLB fans, I feel like, are always very smart. They're very into, you know, the general manage, manage, management. They're into the front office, to making moves to guys. Because we have that minor league system, there's so many different ways that your general manager and your ba- president of baseball operations can fuck up that you have to pay attention to that. And MLB fans do. They pay attention to that stuff, and if David Stearns is not successful, they will let him hear it. If whoever's new in Boston is not successful, they will let them hear it. It's just it the big markets and the teams that are used to winning and putting out good products on the field year in and year out will let general management, they will let ownership know when they are unhappy, and I think they're well within their right to do that. 100%. Well, I, so... Uh... Obviously, we know the the track record with Stearns and, you know, leading Milwaukee to, I think it was five consecutive postseasons um, with one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. What What's the expectation here? Like, do you think he, do you think he definitely gets a ring? Like, do, do you think his legacy will be finally, like, not, not, obviously not Theo Epstein-ish because, I mean, no one's ever going to, in my opinion, no one is ever going to have that legacy again where he no. broke essentially two curses. Um, but do you think he he will, like, do you think Stearns will win a championship? Um, I do. I, I do think the Mets will win a championship under Stearns. And for the sole purpose of, now, with how analytically driven this guy is, I, I would be a little nervous. I would. Because we've seen some of these analytic guys, especially myself, I've seen it firsthand with Heim Bloom. These analytical guys, they come in and they think they know a lot about the analytics. And baseball is not just analytics. As much as it is probably the most analytical sport that we have, especially professionally, it's not all analytics. Some of it's eye tests. Some of it, it's just scouting. You have to know baseball to know what's good. And sometimes... You can't help it. The analytics, the eye test, everything will tell you a player's good. He might step up to the to the next level, AAA, to the big leagues, and suck. You Sometimes you just can't predict it. But I do think that David Stearns has a good, solid baseball mind. He's made great moves in Milwaukee and saved them a lot of money while putting great teams out on the field. He made great moves in Milwaukee. Willie Adamez was a great move. Getting Christian Yelich, even though, you know, the injuries, but you can't predict that. Getting Christian Yelich was very good. He has been very solid this year. He still is Christian Yelich. 
all the guys that they they had drafted, Ezekiel Duran, guys like that, you know, uh, Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer, these guys that David Stearns handpicked in the draft, and David Stearns paid attention to these guys as they were going up in the farm system. I do think that David Stearns can get this done in Queens, in New York, for the Mets. Now, I'm not going to lie. If it was just David Stearns and they fired Billy Epler and made David Stearns the general manager and that was it, I would be probably take that back. And I would not believe in David Stearns as much. I think that the combination of having Stearns and Epler and Cohen is just the perfect combination for the Mets to be successful because they have that analytically driven mind that can get them guys that a lot of teams undervalue and can boost that farm system as much as physically possible. Then they have the Epler and the Cohen who are just balls to the wall. Fuck it. And Epler is not, let's not, I'm not saying Billy Epler is not Dave Dombrowski where he's like, I don't even know who these farm guys are fucking trade them for whoever's the best player in the league. He's not that, but I think the combination of the two or three different mindsets is perfect for the Mets. It's all going to come together and we might see a Mets championship in the Stearns Epler Cohen era. It's what I'm hoping for. I, um, all you can you know, do is hope. I, the, 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 obviously the wild card in this, in this puzzle right here is Epler. I mean, I think his, his I, I look, I think Cohen really likes Epler. I also think that now that there is a guy, uh, primarily who's calling the majority of the shots in Stern. I really think Billy Epler is going to thrive in taking a backseat because I think this is like, he's a great general manager and, and what like I, like he, I cannot, I cannot give him more praise for how he handled the trade deadline. I thought, I thought that was the best move he could have possibly made in this scenario. Um, Agreed. And, 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 and I, I think, I think he will be, uh, kind of a good devil's advocate to how Stearns runs a baseball team. I think it'll be too, it'll be good to have two different sides because for me, as good as Billy Epler is, he's not an analytical guy or at least not known to be. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and nobody can deny that that's the way that the MLB is turning recently is they've been turning to the more analytical guys, you know, seeing the teams like the guardians and the rays and the Orioles be so good and focus on that farm system and saving money. Like you don't have to spend all the money in the world to be a very good team. And a lot of these teams are proving that. And that makes a lot of teams want to go in that direction. That's why the Red Sox hired Heim Bloom a couple years ago. That's why the Mets are hiring David Stearns right now. They want to move to that more analytical mind and, for the Mets, having that analytical mind combined with the Epler and Cohen, I think it, it, it's just it's going to be a recipe for success. So let's let, let's talk a little bit about Heim Bloom. Let's oh, uh, let, let, let's to? talk Red Sox. Let's talk Red Sox for a second. What what is going on in Boston? Heim Bloom is out. He is no longer associated with the the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and now there is a missing general manager role in baseball. Yeah, you know, here, here's the thing. And there's been a lot of 
a lot of talk about 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 Heim Bloom since he came to the Red Sox, and I I completely understand the talk. I completely understand because listen, Heim Bloom came in and he took on an impossible task, and the impossible task task was Heim. We need you to get David Price's contract out of here. Oh, and by the way, Mookie Betts is probably leaving. You should trade him too before he just leaves. That's an impossible task to ask any new president of baseball operations. What like that's impossible for them to come in and be successful after having, having to trade Mookie Betts, having to get David Price off the books. He had to do so many things right away. And in years since then, it has not been working. He has not done what the Red Sox want. I don't know if it's ownership. I don't know if it was Bloom. I don't know if it was the way he thinks about the game, what he does. It just was not working at the major league level. Now, I'm not going to say that the Bloom era was a waste because it absolutely wasn't. He took this farm system from about 30th to between – I've seen them anywhere between – they're ranked number five, I think, on Baseball America. Pipeline has them around 10. Anywhere between five and 10 this this farm system. And Heim Bloom is the only person to credit for that. He did that because before Heim Bloom, we had the asshole that is Dave Dombrowski. As much as I loved him when he was here, he, like I said before, did not give a fuck about anyone in the farm system. If you were playing good in the farm system, pack your bags because you're going to get traded. That's what he's known for. The Red Sox brought Heim Bloom in to fix that, to make the farm system better but not sacrifice the major league team. He sacrificed the major league team a couple times, and now he's out. I don't know what to think of it as a Boston fan. I really don't because in my personal opinion, I would have given Bloom at least the offseason just because this is such an important offseason for the Boston Red Sox. After three years before this year of being over the luxury tax, finally getting under, you have so much money coming off the books this year and next year. They're they're finally done paying Dustin Pedroia, I think, after this year, thank God. They're finally done paying Manny Ramirez in a couple of years. Like he's still making money. But they got money coming off the books. They got a, a lot of guys that are gonna free gonna be free agents. We still don't know what's gonna happen with Verdugo. We don't know if we're gonna sign someone from overseas like Yamamoto. We don't know, and this puts me in the most scared spot in all of baseball because if we don't make a decision soon, I'm afraid that they're going to let this offseason go to waste for the Red Sox, and next year we're looking at another below 500 team, a 70-92 and team who just does absolutely nothing. They came out, the the Red Sox came out, Fenway Group came out, Sam Kennedy, John Henry saying this is going to be a super grueling process. It's going to be a lot of interviews. They're going to look at everyone because they really don't have anybody at the top of their list. They don't have anybody in mind. That scares the shit out of me. I personally would have given Bloom the offseason unless I had somebody in mind that I was like, yep, that guy's the guy. Fire Heim, bring this guy in right away, quick switch, and let it, let's get going. With the long process, I am very, very, very afraid that they are going to let this offseason pass them because they're going to be too busy either looking for a new president of baseball operations or getting whoever they did just hire comfortable in the organization before they go out there and make moves. 
that's unacceptable. And I, I really, I don't know where we go from here. I really don't. Yeah, it is a interesting time for to fire a general manager, especially one who has he hasn't even been there a year, right? He's been there for four years. Really? Does he traded Mookie Betts? I don't remember him trading. I, I thought that was somebody. Okay, so that was his first, about someone else. His his first deal. His fir- the first thing he had to do when he came to the Red Sox was trade Mookie Betts. He had to. Interesting. He took, okay. o- he took so over the team and they were like, else. do it. It's just uh, – I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated because I – as much as I didn't like Bloom, and I didn't – I never liked – I never liked it for the sole purpose of this is Boston – this is Boston. We are the Boston Red Sox. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays. We're not the Baltimore Orioles. We're not the Cleveland Guardians. We can spend money. We're the fucking Boston Red Sox. And Bloom is always all about the analytical and blah, 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 fucking blah, blah, blah. And yes, great. Our farm system is good now. Great. That's awesome. But how about this fucking team? How about the Boston Red Sox who in the past – and three of Heimbloom's four seasons were last in the American League East. In three out of four Heimbloom seasons were under 500. And three out of four Heimbloom seasons made me want to blow my fucking head off. So that's why, like, I'm happy. Thank God Heimbloom's gone. But I'm so nervous because I don't know who they're bringing in. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know how it's going to affect this offseason. Yeah, it is. It's gonna it's gonna have to be a quick turnaround for the Red Sox if they if they really want to commit to a strategy, commit to to a general manager, and then implement that plan for the incoming off season and for the twenty twenty four season as well. It's uh it's go time right now in between like now and the end of the playoffs to find a general manager to start making moves. Do you think it's gonna be someone in house or? You know, there's been talk about in house. There's been talk about. You know, scouts, not scouts, but like upper tier scouts getting promoted and top guys getting promoted. I I think they're going to go out of, out of house. I think they're going to go with an outside hire. I think that's the right move. I've seen a lot of um, – what's his name? Mike Hazen, I'm pretty sure his name is, from the D-backs. Um, there's been a lot of talk because he was in the Red Sox system in 2006. He won a World Series. I mean, he was in – the system when we won in 2007, he was in the system when we won in 2013. So he knows the organization. He knows Fenway Group. Um, that's someone I wouldn't mind. I, I'd be okay with Mike Hazen, but I'm I, I'm just slightly afraid of going too analytical. I'm slightly afraid of going too Dave Dombrowski. I don't know what the Red Sox are going to do because outside of David Stearns, there was not anybody else out there who it was like, okay, this guy's a fucking slam dunk 100% he's going to make our team better it was just Stearns and when the Mets got Stearns that was it I was like all right well we're not getting him so what the hell are we going to do now that's when I wanted them to keep Pine Bloom but look here we are now there's there's also been talk about Alex Cora stepping up and taking a leadership role and taking a role in the front office and we're bringing and bringing a new manager for the Boston Red Sox that is the absolute last thing I want is Alex Cora 
as the president of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox. He needs to be the manager. He is the manager. I would like him to be the manager for several, 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 several more years. I personally think he's a top five manager in all of baseball. I, I, I think moving him to a, 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 an office job is just, is just not what he needs. It's not what the Red Sox need. Bring someone new in. Bring someone in who has that analytical mind but also has the balls to fucking spend some money. The Fenway group needs to get the thumb, get their thumbs out of their ass and figure it out and decide if they actually care about the Boston Red Sox or not. If they're only going to care about the Pittsburgh Penguins and they're only going to care about fucking Liverpool, fuck you. Care about the Red Sox or sell them, please. I want... I want to spend some money this offseason. I want to get a team on the field that doesn't make me want to kill myself. Please, for the love of God, make the right hire. Make the right moves. Make me happy. Please. You heard it here first. Make the right moves. Yeah. I mean, I got, I, there's nothing else I can say. I, I This team frustrates me. It frustrates me how much I care. But that's the... Uh... That's the unfortunate struggle of a fan. It's like you know, the name of the game. So uh, I just wanted to talk about the uh, the race, honestly. Now, since we got through all the our team and Otani and all that stuff, the the playoff race is absolutely coming down to the wire. We have what two more weeks of baseball? Three more weeks of baseball. Last game October first, so two more weeks. Two weeks. Yep. We've had four teams already punch their tickets to the playoffs. The Baltimore Orioles, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Atlanta Braves, and the Los Angeles Dodgers all have officially punched their tickets to the playoffs. They have clinched the berth. The Rays and the Orioles are actually still fighting for that AL East. The Rays are only two and a half back, two games back from two, the two. two games. Yeah, they're two games back from the Orioles. There was a big series in Baltimore. I believe Tampa took two out of three. That was a very big series, and as much as we thought Baltimore might run away with it at one point, Tampa is definitely not going away. Look, as much as Tampa might not be going away, I still think this team is flawed when it comes to playoff time because of the rotation. You can't be running out Aaron Savali in Game 1 or Game 2. It's just not going to work. Zach Eflin, whatever, and Tyler Glass now has just been a shell of himself, so we, we all know the stories there. Baltimore's got to keep playing great baseball, and and that's what they've been doing. They've been playing great baseball. They have not stopped. Ninety three and fifty six right now. That's a fantastic record when you think about where the Orioles were just a couple years ago at the bottom of the AL East, and it looking like there was no no end in sight. Ninety three and fifty six, having a chance to win the AL East. This is where the Baltimore or Baltimore Orioles are as of September eighteenth, twenty twenty three. And if I was an Orioles fan, I'd feel fucking great. Yeah, I mean, this is the, I would I would feel insanely good if I was a if I was an Orioles fan. It's do you have a lot of confidence in this team going into the postseason? I know that they're playing incredibly well. Ninety three wins on the season already, and we still have two weeks to play. The hundred wins is still in the realm of possibilities. How do you how do you feel about them as a postseason roster? Because as we've seen with a lot of teams in the past, a uh, hundred wins doesn't mean shit. Yeah, you know, I, I am nervous. I'm nervous about the postseason when it comes to the Orioles, just because 
that rotation, if you look at anything outside of this year, you're looking at a bad rotation. And as good as they've been this year, like I can't, as much as I want to fault them for their past, I can't because they've shown this year that that they're not the same pitchers. This rotation has had the lowest ERA in like the last month. And this is a rotation of John Means, Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells, Jack Flair, like Jack Flaherty. What is this? Grayson Rodriguez. But they've been pitching great. And you just, you can't fault them for that. And I think what the Orioles do so much better than a lot of teams is the little things. They field very well. They run the bases very well. They don't really have anybody on the team who is above it. Like they don't have an Aaron judge to the Yankees. They don't have anybody like that. They're all just, they play together. They play very good baseball and they're very young. They can run. They can, they, they're hat. They will create havoc on the base paths. They can field like any other team. They can hit, hit for power and apparently they can pitch. And that was the one thing we were worried about with the Orioles the entire year was the pitching staff. It's been good. So I, I can't say that they're not going to be good in the playoffs. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. I think that you have to give them a shot and you have to have faith in what's gotten them to 93 wins. So, you know, I really like this. I, I mean, it's really crazy what's going on in the AL West. You got the Houston, Texas, and Seattle dogging it out right now for the AL West ground. Yeah, and and that's the that's the other really interesting part of the AL is that AL West. We really don't know who's going to come out on top. I think it's probably leaning towards Houston with a a two game a one one and a half game lead. I think on Texas right now. Texas and Seattle slowed down. Houston has still been playing good ball. That, that that's pretty much the way the way to put it. I mean. Seattle had that crazy run, and it looked like they might actually run away with the AL West for a second. They came down to earth. Cal Raleigh came down to earth. Julio Rodriguez came down to earth. A lot of their guys came down to earth, and they're really not getting the pitching that they need come playoff time. Kirby and Gilbert have been okay. Castillo's still been good. But as good as that rotation's been, down the stretch it has it has struggled a little bit. And the Texas Rangers have also been struggling, and we talked about them last week at how bad they've been playing. It's just they're not getting the same production in the lineup that they were getting at the beginning of the season, midseason. They're not getting the production from Adolis Garcia and Nathaniel Lowe, and they're feeling the injury of Josh Young. And that staff with Scherzer going down now, and now they're looking at a shell of Eovaldi, who's still on a pitch pitch count, I believe. And Jordan Montgomery. Right now, they're, it looks like they're running out Jordan Montgomery game one of a playoff series. And that's you, – you don't want that. Yeah, that's, that's not wild. a recipe for success. I don't know what's going to happen. I really think that Houston is going to take the division. I do. And then it's the race between Toronto, Texas, and Seattle. Right now, Toronto and Texas hold the wild card spots. Texas with a one-game lead on Seattle and Toronto with – a half a game on Texas and a game and a half on Seattle. So these last two weeks are crucial for every single one of these teams. Toronto just had a great series against Boston. Great job for them, you know, beating up on my shitty team. But I really don't know how this is going to end. I, I, If I had to guess, and this, this may be a hot take, but 
I think Toronto is going to get booted, and I think Texas and Seattle, the wild card will be Tampa, Texas, and Seattle in that order. Toronto is going to just miss it by a game or, or maybe half a game. Yeah, I think Toronto is going to miss it as well. They're just – it's just – it would be so hard for them to to make up that, that slim ground – like I, I don't know. There's just Toronto has such a hard schedule to end the season off, and Seattle's playing really good baseball right now. As of recently, I. What do you think? Like I, I, I just have think so much trouble picking these teams because I'm always I could always see that like it going one way, and I could always see it going the other. I just think like I, I think Toronto is gonna it has a little bit of a tough schedule. I think it's really gonna come down to that last series probably because Texas and Seattle and this Texas and Seattle still have to play seven games against each other. Texas has Boston this week, then three with three with Seattle, three in LA, and then four with Seattle again. I I, I have a hard time believing that Seattle can really take it to them. But if you look at, okay, I'm going completely back on my take, completely back on my take. It's going to be Tampa, Toronto, and Texas. It's going to be Tampa, Texas, and then Toronto, because I think Texas is going to beat up on Seattle. And I think they're going to take four or five out of the seven that they have against Seattle. And then Toronto has three against the Yankees, which that's probably a sweep three against Tampa three against the Yankees, and then three against Tampa again. But if Tampa is if, – if Baltimore gets a lead on Tampa and they can't win the division, they're going to rest that last week. That could be the chance for Toronto to s- swoop in. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited for the end of the year race, though. Two more weeks, and there's still so many teams in it. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun last uh... – two weeks here in the uh, in the MLB season. Just going over to the NL for a little bit before we get into picks. As I said at the beginning of the episode, Arizona, huge, huge sweep of Chicago in Arizona. They are now the second wildcard team in the NL, followed by a tie of the Chicago Cubs and the Miami Marlins with the Cincinnati Reds only a half game back of that and the Giants two back of that. Chris, like we've been saying for weeks, this race is definitely going to go to the last couple games. It's all going to depend on which one of these teams beats the other one and and who gets hot for the next two weeks. Arizona played really, really, really good against Chicago this past week, and Chicago has not been getting the play they need to make it in the playoffs as much as we were getting excited about how good they were playing, how good Bellinger was and Steele was pitching great and Swanson playing great and Horner and all these guys playing so good. We forgot about those D backs who have just as many guys as the Cubs, if not better. And they can absolutely do this. I think they can hold on to this last spot with only the half game lead is a little scary, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I still think Miami is out of it, but every time I think Miami's out of it, I look at I look at it again and they're tied every single time. So I don't know what's going to happen here. What about you? You have any prediction? I 
you know, I have, I have a, I have a few, I have a few hot takes that I'd like to throw out. Throw them for for, for the National League. Are you ready for this, Zach? Let's hear it. So, I think I don't think the Braves are going to make it to the World Series. Okay. I think I think I think this is the Dodgers' year. I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. Um, I also I also think uh, Philadelphia will be back in the NLCS. I so agree. I think the Braves are going to get eliminated in the divisional round. I think it's going to be one of those series for Atlanta where uh, it ca- like the, all of the hype of the year has culminated into one series, and I think it's going to ca- I think it's going to get away from them quick, and then they're not going to really know what's hit them, and then they are going to be out just as quick as they were in. I think that's the way it's going to go with the Braves. I am not. In on the Braves hype, maybe this is a little bit of Braves hate here, but I think the Braves are going to be knocked out in the divisional round. You know, I think it's definitely a, it's definitely a possibility when I think, um, you know, when we talk about the playoffs, obviously I love bringing up the rotations, but that, that that's what wins you playoffs. That's what loses you playoffs. And as good as we've been talking about the Braves, the rotation has its troubles. You know, Max Fried has dealt with injuries. He hasn't been the best in the playoffs before. Charlie Morton is 500 years old, even though he has a 3-5 ERA every single year and his curveball always has like the most whiffs in the MLB every single year. He's still a million years old and he still will give up three to four runs in a playoff start. It will happen. And outside of that, I mean, they just had uh, fucking what's his name? Kyle Wright, I think. They just got him back and he looked horrible. Look, the Braves have issues. Every team has issues. As much as we say the Braves have a perfect team, every team has issues. Every team has weaknesses that teams can exploit. I think most teams' issues right now is in the starting rotation, and that's where the Braves, it gets a little dicey, and pretty much anything can happen. Again, once we hit playoff time, anything can happen. Anyone can beat anyone. In my opinion, there are no seeds once we're in playoff. There's no one seed. There's no seven seed wild card, whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. Anyone can beat anyone at any time. It's baseball. I agree. Yeah. And uh, I also think the Cubs are going to make some noise. I think the Cubs are going to hang on. I don't think they're done spot. I don't think they're done either. I think I've seen a lot of people out there being like, oh, here we go with the Cubs. It was exciting, and now it's all gone. No, I think the Cubs are going to hold on to that last spot. They have, you know, their schedule isn't too, too tough. They do have a series against Atlanta, and they end the year with Milwaukee. But again, Milwaukee will probably have the division locked up by then. That would be a great moment for Chicago to just take it to Milwaukee with three games left and secure that last spot. I do also think, I think Arizona is going to keep that second spot. Just looking at their schedule as well, they got a pretty easy schedule coming up with two with San Francisco, three with the Yankees, three with the White Sox, and then they end the year in Houston. Look, there is a lot of, like, as much as there's only two weeks left, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. There's a lot of movement to be had on these wild cards and in the playoffs. We'll be here. We'll be talking about it because it is it, it's the most exciting time in baseball. It is. It's it's exciting time, and I can't wait to see 
who who locks up these wild card spots and especially who locks up that AL West crown. I'm excited. Me too. All right. What do you say we uh, get in some picks? Let's do it. Powered by Riverside. All right, picks for Tuesday, September 19th. I'll start us off going to Houston. I'm picking the Astros over the Orioles Tuesday, September 19th. It's in Houston. Kyle Gibson going up against Hunter Brown. I like the I like the Houston Astros at home, so I'm going to take the Astros. I I am going to be uh taking the Mets tomorrow night against the Miami Marlins. Uh, I think the Mets are going to try to spoil some teams playoffs hopes and i think the marlins are going to be one of them oh joey lucchese on the mound mm-hmm. he's been is that his name is his name joey yeah look at me go knowing people's names uh and i assume we're going to give jake the orioles astros over i'm i'm gonna guess it's nine and a half but eight and a half probably so that's for jake Correct. Uh, roulette. Let's do some roulette spin. Do you want me to do it? Uh, I already have it open. I got it. Okay. What number are you feeling today? I'm feeling like... Mm, 12. Ooh, I like that. I'm feeling 23. Michael Jordan. Uh, hold up. I clicked the wrong thing. There we go. All right. I I got 23. You got 12. What should we give Jake? 22 or 5? Five? 5. 5. All right. Jake's got 5. Let's see. Ooh, 12 hit two spins ago. I need the noise. I like watching the ball go in a circle. 13. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. It's 13. So um, we suck again. Uh, Again, screw you, Jake, because I hit it. You still haven't. I hope you listen to this, and I hope you hear that. Everyone, we love you. Thank you for listening. Daz probably has to pee. Goodbye. I do a little bit, actually.